Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Welcome to episode 11 of Loving Life at Home. Today, we are talking about forgiveness. What exactly does forgiveness mean? And why does God expect us to forgive? And how can we fully and freely forgive those who have hurt us? If you've been alive on this earth for any length of time, then undoubtedly somebody somewhere has done something in the past that has offended you. Does that incident play over and over in your mind like a tape? It could be something minor or maybe something major, a cutting remark or a complete betrayal of trust, but your heart still aches and your temper flares every time you recount it. Or maybe your wounds fester below the surface. You can go months without thinking about the event And perhaps you assume you're finally over the hurt, but then boom, something triggers the memory and the pain comes rushing back in as you realize you still haven't let go. We can't let these hurts from our past steal our joy in the present. And to keep that from happening, it's imperative that we learn how to fully and freely forgive the people who have wronged us. The Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness, including verses such as these, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Or Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive any complaint you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Or how about Matthew 6.14-15, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive yours. That last verse is particularly sobering, isn't it? If I don't forgive others, God won't forgive me. I'm so thankful that God doesn't dwell on my wrongdoings the way I sometimes perseverate on the fact that my husband sent my favorite kitchen gadget to Goodwill. Instead, Psalm 103.12 says that God separates my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, and He calls me to reflect that same kind of grace to others. Now, did He really mean everybody? Some may wonder whether God intends us to fully forgive every wrongdoer in every situation. Didn't Jesus offer us any exemptions from forgiving those who sin against us? What if they did something horribly wicked? What if they never say they're sorry? What if, when they do apologize, it doesn't sound like they really mean it? Have you ever had that with your kids? You ask your little one to make amends with his sister, and his apology sounds more like an accusation. I'm sorry. What if, instead of apologizing, they shift blame? What if they try to justify their actions? What if they don't deserve forgiveness? What if they're unrepentant? What if they keep right on doing the very thing that I forgave them for? I think Peter must have had some of those same questions in his mind when he asked the Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? We read that in Matthew 18, 21. The disciple probably thought his offer was generous, but Jesus raised the bar substantially when he answered, I tell you, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, don't even try to keep track. 
Why would God demand from us that kind of extravagant grace? Well, I think He does so primarily for our own benefit. Contrast God's call to forgive with our natural response. Whenever someone wrongs us, our natural inclination is to dwell on that wrong, to replay it over and over and over again in our minds, to harbor bitterness or anger, resentment or hatred in our heart towards the person who sinned against us, and perhaps even to plot how we might retaliate or take revenge or get even in some way. None of these thought processes are good for our physical, mental, or spiritual health. When God says that we need to forgive, I think He's trying to redirect our thoughts away from this negative downward spiral and focus them on Jesus instead. He tells us how He expects us to react to those who wrong us. Luke 6, 27-28 says, But to those of you who will listen, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, just to clarify, I don't equate forgiving a sin with eliminating the consequences of that sin, and God doesn't either. The punishment for sin is death. He didn't eliminate that punishment when He forgave my sins. He transferred the punishment onto His beloved Son, who willingly paid that penalty on my behalf. Nor does God necessarily remove the more temporal consequences from our sin when He forgives us. If I sleep around, I can repent of that lifestyle and find full forgiveness in Christ, but I may still contend with the STDs that resulted from my promiscuity. If I embezzle money from my employer, then confess that sin to God, He will fully forgive me just as He promised, but I don't get to keep the money, and I may still lose my job. If I gamble away every paycheck, God can forgive and grant freedom from that addiction, but that doesn't mean I won't have to file for bankruptcy as a result of my actions. And if I drive drunk and run over a pedestrian, God's full forgiveness does not, nor should not, keep me from facing charges for DUI murder or manslaughter. So when I say that we need to forgive our offenders, I'm not saying that we should allow wife beaters and child molesters, drug abusers, identity thieves, murderers, and rapists to continue in their sin unhindered. God forbid. Forgiveness is a posture of the heart. It won't keep me from turning criminals into the authorities, nor from prosecuting them within the full measure of the law. It will just affect the motivation behind my doing so. Rather than springing from a heart full of hatred and bitterness and thirst for revenge, I would file charges with a sense of grief and sadness that such action was necessary, and from a prayerful desire to protect future victims from being targeted and thus keep the perpetrator from storing up further wrath for himself on the day of judgment. Now, should we forgive somebody who has never asked for forgiveness? Some Bible teachers claim that Christians are only obligated to forgive Uh, if people have repented, or if they seek our forgiveness, or only after they apologize. But I don't see any of those qualifiers in the words of Jesus that I read earlier from Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who, who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not, not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times 70, as some versions translate it. 
He then tells the parable of the unmerciful servant. You know the one. He's the the man has been forgiven an insurmountable debt that he could not have paid back in a thousand lifetimes. Then he immediately goes out and beats a fellow slave who owed him the equivalent of a few dollars, eventually throwing that fellow slave into debtor's prison until he could pay in full. Now, the text implies that since the original servant's debt had been wiped clean, he should have been willing to wipe clean the slate of his fellow servant as well. But what isn't implied? He wasn't expected to continue loaning money to that fellow slave. That brings us to another point, an important point of clarification. Extending forgiveness is a different process than restoring trust. I can forgive somebody who never apologizes. I can stop harboring animosity towards someone who shows no remorse. I can forgive somebody that's dead or who has moved away and I never see again. I can stop allowing those past hurts from that person to affect my life and steal my joy. Yet, I need to be circumspect. If someone has stolen from me, I'm not going to leave him in a room with my unattended purse full of money, partly because he hasn't re-earned my trust, but also out of consideration for him because he's already proven that he has a weakness in that area and I don't want to tempt him uh, when it's not necessary. But there's a big difference between constantly throwing it in somebody's face that they have failed in an area in the past and lovingly taking steps to ensure their success in that same area in the future. Would you like a good litmus test for evidence that you've truly forgiven an offender? Check your heart for freedom from malice. Giving place to bitterness and resentment is bad for your health. Proverbs 17.22 tells us that a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. As a wise person once observed, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It hurts you far more than it hurts anyone else. Forgiveness, on the other hand, fosters a spirit of humility and gratitude. It recognizes how great a debt that God has forgiven us and chooses to emulate His amazing mercy in our relations to others. Jesus provided us with the ultimate example when, even as he was being crucified, he prayed for his tormentors. As recorded in Luke 23, 34, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he urges us to do the same. Luke 6, 27-36 says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. I know I quoted this just a little bit ago, but it is so important. Such a vital concept in the life of a Christian. Pray for those who despitefully use you, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, did you catch that little phrase sandwiched in the middle of those verses? Expecting nothing in return. Nothing means not anything, not even a heartfelt apology, not even a change in behavior. Does God really expect us to forgive in those circumstances? I think the rest of the verse answers that question. Uh, It says that we should be merciful as He is merciful. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And He expects us to have that same 
kind of mercy for those who have offended us. So test your heart. Have you forgiven your offenders as freely and fully as God requires? That last passage again provides a great litmus test. Can you pray for this person? Not just going through the actions, but sincerely petitioning God on his behalf? Do you deeply desire his salvation and sanctification? Would it thrill your soul to see God mercifully draw him to repentance and full forgiveness and eternal life? Again, God's forgiveness does not necessarily cancel the consequences of sin. Jesus fully forgave the thief on the cross, but that thief still died a criminal's death. Does knowing that make you gloat in anticipation or motivate you to pray all the harder? Are you mindful of the sin in your own soul? Do you recognize the fact that but for the grace of God, you might have been guilty of the same offense? Does the knowledge that hurting people hurt people move you to compassion for this individual? Are you able to love him like God loves you? Bitterness, resentment, and desolation dig a deep pit. And the only way to escape such a pit is through the kind of forgiveness that I've described, a forgiveness that is admittedly impossible apart from God's empowering grace. To truly break free from all hurt and grief of our past, we must accept God's forgiveness for our own sin and then channel that forgiveness to everyone around us, especially to those who have done us wrong. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.